Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, and CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie. And since 2016, Monica Shimonik has been coaching moms and dads as they navigate through the treacherous waters of the family law racket. Aside from her workshops, which help with specific problems, her 12-week signature course, The Best Interest of the Parent, uses a four-quadrant model to create a robust healing and empowerment system so that you control the narrative in your life, not the state. I took the course. It was awesome. I wish it was available when, way back when, when I was going through this. Use coupon code SLAMTHEGAVEL to get 10% off her course. And all this, uh, her website will be included in the podcast notes. And right now I've got a great guest on. His name is Dr. Patrick C. Beebe with a PhD in general psychology, and his expertise is in parental alienation. He has studied and researched parental alienation since the early 1990s. He's also a Navy veteran, a person who has experienced firsthand the devastating effects of what a high-conflict divorce can do to a career, a new marriage, your health, and to one's self-worth. He has become an expert in parental alienation to help others guide the choppy and rocky waters of this phenomena so they do not end up with the same outcome that has been bestowed on him and even myself. So I welcome you, Dr. Beebe. How did you, how did you become involved and knowledgeable in this phenomenon called parental alienation? Oh, good morning, Marianne. Thank you. And please call me Patrick. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm still not used to Dr. Beebe, even though it's been several years. I go by Patrick. So thank you. Um, I appreciate you asking to be here. Um, my story is kind of interesting. I was early 90s very naive about stuff. I was in the active duty military and I was going through a divorce with my first marriage. Had two kids, two little girls, and um, I was down in Florida and everything got transferred up to where I'm at now here in the uh, Michigan area. So the court hearings in custody, because my divorce still wasn't finalized, the judge wouldn't sign divorce papers until custody was settled so this took like six almost seven years so i would come up here i was actually remarried down in florida and the my visitations were getting less and less available i'd come up try and get my visitations i would you know try and see my kids my parents would try to see them because they they were allowed grandparent visitations, you know, my sisters and brothers got aunts and uncles and um, the kid's mother um, would deny it. She would not be there, say, oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. So we'd go back and forth to mediation, say, yep, I'll, you know, go through it again. And one day we were in court and it was really bad. It was about a year of this going back and forth and missing it. And the judge asked me a question. I said, your honor, I said, I understand, you know, the situation I said but this is what's happening I said my kids are being manipulated against me they are starting to say things about me on um, my youngest daughter and I think at the time she was two and a half three give or take I had her one time and in front of my parents in front of my sisters and brothers she goes daddy mommy says you're a bum because you don't pay anything and I'm like at that point in time I was paying almost $1,800 a month in child support for two kids. Mm. So that one told me one thing, my kids weren't getting the money that they're supposed to. So I told this to the, to, to the judge, explained explain to him what was going on, that you know the kids, um, ones who loved me very much, um, loved my father. When I was, my dad was alive and my dad was around, um, I didn't exist. My kids went to my dad. I mean, my dad was everything to them. But that started deteriorating also. So we went, um, we were in court and I mentioned to the judge and I said, your honor, I said, I believe this is called parental alienation. And like I said, early nineties, you know, this is kind of a new thing, late eighties, um, a, a child psychiatrist coined the term, um, Richard Gardner, Dr. Gardner coined the term of parental alienation. And the judge's exact words were, well, how do you know about this? 
do you have a degree? I said, no, your honor, don't. I said, I do know how to read and do research. Well, he, um, his exact words were to me, he goes, shut up and sit down in my court until you know what you're talking about till you have an education. Okay, so at that point in time, I knew I would never be heard. It would never be understood. Um, Cause back then, even where I'm at now, I mean, I'm back, I'm in the county that uh, this happened. It is still the idea that for the most part, the caregiver is usually, you know, the mother and they're the best suited to raise the kids. And I know it's not in all cases, but back then it was with mine. And so I lost my fight for um, custody. I was supposed to have quote unquote joint with residential, but that was, she still went through all the, you know, denying me all that. And after about five years, I dropped it. I was getting tired of going back and forth. Um, I, you know, I haven't talked to my kids in 26, 27 years because of this. And, but I started studying and researching. And when I got released from military, they sent me to school. I've got, I got a bachelor's in behavior psychology. They sent me to um, for my master's. I got industrial psychology. And then they, I started my own, paying for my own doctorate. And seven years of doing that, I ended up with a general psychology degree, a doctorate, and my um, dissertation research was on parental alienation syndrome. So that's how I kind of got into the situation. And ever since then, I try to help people, even before I had my you know, doctorate degree, I tried to help people understand. And going through school, I've had colleagues that were clinical psychs, psychologists, that would ask me questions and say, oh yeah, you know, this, I see this in some kids, can you explain it to me? So I've actually trained clinical psychologists, judges, uh, explained judges what's going on, and attorneys of what actually is happening. So they kind of, hopefully they understand a little bit better. I mean, it's slow turning process, but it's coming around. So that's actually how I got it. <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lot to go through. I'm so sorry that happened to you. You know. Uh, Thank you. Uh, you know, does this parental alienation just affect a certain group or population? Uh, I don't know if you know any statistics. I, I, I'm not good on statistics, so. <laughs> um, honestly, there are no actual set statistics out there on it. Um, and to better understand it, one, I mean, alien, parental alienation is, um, for people don't understand it, what it is, it is the estrangement or alienation of a child from one parent um, by the other parent. You, you um, basically utilize unfounded criticism, you know, arguments, lies, whatever about the, about the other parent. Usually this is the caregiver is trying to pull the kids away from the non-caregiver, or, or excuse me, a custodial parent, custodial parent against the non-custodial parent. And it's not in every divorce. I don't want people to think that. This is with high conflict divorces. And nowadays with divorce being 40 to 50% of first time marriages, there is a lot of arguing and a lot of fighting in these marriages. And if there's kids, the potential for the parental alienation is out there. You know, it's, um, it's unwarranted uh, denigration toward the targeted parent. Um, the parents, the, the targeted parent or the non-custodial parent loses visitation, you know, from the kids because the uh, custodial parent will say, well, they don't feel good. They don't want to see you or they're afraid of you. Um, they cause lies. They, you know, they say that, well, you're new. If you're in a new relationship, well, your new relationship hates them. So they do anything they can to keep the kids away from you. And also not just the non-custodial parent, but the um, non-custodial parents, parents, so the kids' grandparents, their aunts and uncles, their cousins, they, the custodial parent does anything and everything to destroy any kind of healthy relationship that used to be there with the kids to make it, you know, so they have control of everything. And that's the bottom line of this. 
the custodial parent or the manipulating parent is trying to control every aspect of the situation. Now to get back to, and I know I, know I kind of got off a little bit, but get back to, um, does it affect certain groups? No, it does not. I mean, this can happen in any socioeconomic, any ethnic, any culture whatsoever. At one point in time, I had a, and I was active duty. I got called back to active duty and I was fighting custody. And I had one of my um, commanding officers say, well, you know, this is um, because you are not financially able to have better attorneys. That's why you're going through this. And I kind of stopped. I'm like, no, it's not. I said, it has nothing to do with money. I said, well, it does. I said, because the more we fight, the courts make a lot more money off of us. Mm -hmm. I said, it has nothing to do with if you're rich or poor, if you're black or white, Asian, you know, purple, green, doesn't matter if you're from the north, the south, east or west, it doesn't matter what the um, destruction of the relationship comes down to is the hatred and the controlling aspects of a custodial parent in a high conflict divorce. If you're, you know, I don't divorce people got divorced and have kids, very amicable. You know, the kids love both parents. There's, you know, there's none of this hatred going on. That's not a high conflict divorce. It comes down to high conflict divorces and that happens in every aspect of life. So, And also globally, this is a global yes. problem. Yes, it is. You know, I've had people based off of my uh, research, my dissertation and a couple articles, I've had people from France, from Germany contact me, ask me about this. They say, hey, you know, we understand it happens. This is what's going on. I'm a student. I'm learning about it, but I'm also a, a therapist. Tell me more. So, yes, it's not just, uh, you know, here in the United States. You're right. It is globally, Mary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people will say, well, this is junk science. It's just something a parent will use against another parent in the courtroom to get to get the kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, I I wish it was junk science because then it would be like, yeah, okay, you know, it is, but it's not by no means. Mm -hmm. Um people used to say psychiatry and psychology is junk science because it comes down to um, it's not hardcore numbers. So if it's not hardcore numbers that people can um, manipulate to get an answer, they think it doesn't, there's no science, there's no truth about it. What parental alienation comes down to, it is the phenomenological study of the um, qualitative research. And what qualitative research is, is the spoken word that's phenomenological study now the person who if you want to call this junk science and you're calling dr clark moustakis a junk a liar whatever you want to psychologist he is very well known or was he actually taught i believe at um wayne uh, wayne state university in detroit for years but he is known throughout the world because he basically started on um, phenomenological research and it deals with ethics. It deals with um, everything that you have to do to make a quantitative research project ethical and sound. You have to do the same thing with this. So people, you need to talk to the people who went through it. I'm not talking to the kids that are going through it right now because if, if you're talking to a 13, 14 year old kid who's going through parental alienation, yeah, you can get a little bit of research of what um, they're going through, but a lot of their tone and answers are gonna be very jaded and very hated um, towards the targeted parent. So new research that's coming out, and this is where I'm actually more of an expert than just the actual going through it is my research is dealing with the adult children who went through who went through parental alienation as kids 
So people over age 30, when we're in our 20s, we still are kind of, you know, flaky. We don't have really, you know, things settled. When you're in your 30s, you're starting to settle down. You're starting to able to synthesize what happened to you and, you know, process the information. So if you talk to people over 30 who have gone through this and say, okay, I understand, you know, you, you're a product of divorce. So what happened? Can you tell us? Was it a lot of fighting? Well, yes. And you get their answers because now they haven't had, what, 12, 13, 14 years to think about it, process it, and actually understand. So people calling it junk science, you know, I feel sorry for them because they're, you know, their minds are closed. It is not junk science. It is actually happening. And that's what we need to get people to understand. This is actually happening. And kids' parents are suffering either, you know, not just one, but both. The manipulator and the manipulated, I mean, the targeted parent, they're both suffering. But the biggest suffering is the children. The children are losing a love from one or both parents when they get older. And people need to understand this is real to help children live better lives when they're older, even when they're going through it. The more we understand about what happens later in life, the better we can help these kids going through it now. It's not junk science. It's out there. It happens. And, you know, I... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, I don't want to interrupt you. No, go ahead. I said, hopefully that, you know, explains, you know, that it's not junk science for you. Mm -hmm. So I understand that it's being weaponized in the courtroom. However, I also know it's being weaponized outside of the courtroom. And, you know, it's, it's happened in my life. It's still ongoing. And I know of other people that this is happening to. I, I, you know, if, and to call it junk science, um, unless you've lived through it and gone through it, then you'll understand. You're right. You know, it's, it's like anything. Um, somebody who has gone through cancer and gone through all the treatments of cancer, you understand how that makes a body, a person feel. You don't snap back from that unless you've gone through it. You understand. Same thing with this. Sad to say, you have to experience it firsthand to actually understand it and believe it. You know, if you don't, then you'll never truly understand or empathize with someone who is, and you'll think they're just, oh, you're making stuff up. It's, it, it destroys the person that it's happening to, you know, not just financially, but in self-worth and feeling important, feeling like you're, you know, you're worth something, you lose a lot. You know, that's like, it's kind of like when you lose a very loved pet, you have these feelings that, you know, what did I do? What could I have done? And you go, of course, you go through the five, you know, stages of, of grief. But when you lose the relationship with a child, you don't only go through, well, what could I have done, you know, um, why did this happen to me? You know, I'm talking through divorce and the manipulation. You know, you, you always wonder and you never will get over it. What could I have done? So there is always a part of you that is missing. And it's, unless you've gone through it, you'll never understand it, so. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you mentioned some of the signs children show during the initial stages of alienation, like uh, degradation of the parent, putting you mm -hmm. down in front of others. I've been through that as well. And sorry um, to hear that. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> I guess it's, it's part of the MO. Um, yes. you know, uh, even um, when the manipulating parent, you know, like some people don't know who the manipulating parent is and who the target parent is during the alienation. Like some people don't know what right. to believe when they manipulating, we'll say the custodial parent is telling a, another parent what's going on and they're just randomly believing them. People just believe what they hear anyway. Mm -hmm. um, you're right. The, the 
this this is not coming out as being sexist, and I apologize. I don't want to offend anybody, but usually, still in this courts and and today in this world, I mean, it's the you know twenty you know first century courts still believe for the most part. I mean, it's getting a lot better, but that the mother is the best um, custodial and caregiver for children to where the father now is the non-custodial and he gets the visitation. Like I said, it's getting better. I mean, there are some areas that, you know, a lot of places are like 50-50 depending on the situation. But the, for the most part, custodial, the custodial and residential parent um, is the manipulator in high conflict divorces and you know the non-custodial is the targeted mm -hmm. so, you know you can say whether okay okay so you're saying the mother then is always targeting the kids against the father i said no i'm not saying that it's the custodial parent doing it to the non-custodial in a high conflict divorce whether that is the you know the mother has is the custodial parent and the father's non-custodial or and like I said, it is turned around a little bit. The father is custodial and the mother is a non-custodial. I've seen it in both. Um, I'm very close to somebody that um, in her divorce with her kids, she actually agreed to let the children live with their father because of the better school system. This person moved back to a very small town and um, the kids basically were manipulated against her. It's, it's um, my ex-wife actually. Um, it wasn't me, I mean, cause we were, we were um, never had kids, we weren't married that long, but it's sad to say that it's now, you know, she is the one that is being targeted or was, I mean, this is a while ago. And she talked to me about it. So, you know, it does happen on both sides of the spectrum. It's just who gets the cust custody and who doesn't and if it's high conflict or not. Mm -hmm. You know, what personality traits, you know, does this manipulating parent demonstrate, like as far as, you know, you're probably talking personality disorders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are some. Um, the biggest one, honestly, is the manipulator or the, um, who is targeting, who does the targeting, they are, they have a high level of narcissism. They're narcissistic. You know, they have to control everything. They have to be the center of attention. They have to, they believe that they are the perfect fit for everything. You know, the basic definition of narcissistic personality disorder involves a pattern of self-centered, arrogant thinking and behavior, lack of empathy and consideration for other people and excessive need for admiration. It, you know, it fits perfectly in the manipulator of parental alienation because, you know, they have to be, you know, um, the center of everything. You know, they're arrogant. They think that they can do no wrong. They think they're the best person. They think they know the best um, outcome for the children when actuality they don't even have the children's best interest at heart which is kind of you know um backwards thinking but they don't they don't have the best interest of the kids at heart what they are doing is they're doing it for themselves because they want to be the top dog they want to be in control they want to um tell the other parent well i have rights i have court order saying you won't do this i can do this but you can't Mm -hmm. They want to be the top dog. They want they want to be the one that everybody listens to, especially the courts, because they will also play the victim a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, you know, this happened. Now they're doing this, and um, he did this. From what my kid said, he did this. So I feel my kids are, you know, in danger, and you know, it hurts me to see my kids go with them. I don't think we should go with them. So they're playing the victim in a sense. But what they're doing is, of course, they're manipulating the judge too, the court systems, into coming around to what they want. And that's, you know, that's the biggest thing. They are, um, they're narcissistic. You know, they are really resistant to change, even in, during the marriage. They, 
they would not be willing to make even slight changes when it comes to the kids or, you know, believe it or not, the color of painting a room. They would mm -hmm. sit and argue about it until, you know, um, they don't like criticism against them or how they're doing things. They're sensitive to, um, like I said, criticism, their disagreements. You know, they perceived any kind of slight against them is perceived. Most people would think, okay, yeah, you're criticizing me, fine. I'll deal with it. Narcissistic personalities, they take a criticism and they blow it way out of proportion. Most people will do it. Okay, it's a, if you go on a scale from one to 100, okay, yeah, okay, you gave me criticism. I'm a little ticked, you know, 75. A narcissistic personality, they will put it on a scale of 1,000. They completely blow it out of proportion. So their narcissistic is the big issue with them. They want to be the, they want to be the top dog, the center of everything. Mm -hmm. It also seems like when this whole court process starts, they seem to pick out, a lawyer that is just like themselves and you yep. got if you have two of those coming <laughs> up against you you don't have a prayer okay no and, no you and, don't and it's also you know the courts are incestuous uh we've said on other podcasts that you know someone knows someone someone's paying off someone um someone knows a judge that will give them a good outcome and it's all manipulated. It's already yes. laid out before you walk in there. And yes. it's already derailed the night you go in there. Yep. So, you know, I, no, no, go ahead. No, I'm saying, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you are, I mean, it's, it's a big, what, it's a big, basically Broadway show. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the non-custodial parent is, is basically the audience in this because everything's already done behind the scenes if somebody knows somebody in the system so you're just going in there and like okay trying to you know trying to understand the play but it's like nope sorry um i know with my situation and here in here in the state of michigan it's called friend of the court system and you know guardian and items honestly i'm not gonna give my opinion but i think Anyhow, um, the one of the people that worked at the friend of the court here when I was going through all this was actually best friends with my ex-wife. Mm. And first, that individual got our case. And that's like, how can she be run, you know, running our case when she's best friends? And she, this person was friends with the person in charge of friend of the court. Because if I remember correctly, they were friends with daughters or something. It was just one of those things. That's how. And of course, the friend of the person in charge of the friend of the court has a, you know, straight path to the judge. So they give their recommendations. So it's like, okay, I'm already, I mean, I, no matter what I show and prove shows that I'm a liar. Basically, I'm lying because, oh, they've already got this worked out behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And it is, you know, it's a big game. It's a big play. It is, like you said, incestuous. They, they, they do know, you know, it's the old proverb. Um, one hand washes the other. That's exactly what this is. I'll do this for you if you do this for me, and we'll make sure that person doesn't get, it's just, it's a big circus. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because the courts are making money. Mm -hmm. Hand to fist. The more fighting, the more arguing, the more times you go to court, the judges, you know, the, the court system's getting paid every time you walk in there. The attorneys are getting paid. You know, mm -hmm. they they care. None of these people actually care about the welfare of the children. And this is how I feel, you know. Um, and I've seen this in my research, too. I've talked to people that have the same experience, that the courts do not care about the welfare or the well-being of those kids. Mm -hmm. They care about keeping a fight going and keeping money coming in. So... Definitely. Um, it's just uh, the parents that we don't hear about are the ones that aren't going into the courtroom that are settling it. They're using the Sweden model where they're sitting down and they're just writing out who's going to take Johnny 
on these days and I'll pick Johnny up on those days. We'll work together. You know, I've got this insurance. You've got that insurance. These are the parents we don't hear about. And, uh, and, and the ones that are going into court are the poor um, target parent has to fight back. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of them get put in the position of non-custodial parent followed up by, we'll say false accusations. So they're forced to fight those off and fend themselves off with that, trying to get their kids back. It's it's just a recipe for, uh, you know, family court can kill you. (laughs) Yes, it can. You know, and it's funny you should say that about the allegations. That's actually in one of the stages. In my research, I found out that there are basically three levels or severities of the alienation. You know, mild, moderate, and severe. In the moderate, in the mild, it's like the parent, the custodial parent is just trying to be, you know, a maybe this day, yeah, for the most part, they're they're agreeable, but today they're just, you know, being a you know, royal witch or you know, warlock and had a bad day at work, so they're gonna take it out on, you know, the non-custodial parent come visitation. Then they go to mediation, yep, I'm sorry, and it proceeds. So there's not a lot of fighting, it just it mellows out. The mild part, the mild, excuse me, the moderate um, severity is you have that happening, but instead of actually working things out, they agree to, um, yep, I'm sorry, my fault. I will, you know, I miss, you know, let them miss it. They can make it up. Well, then when they go to make it up, the non-custodial parent, the visitation, they don't get their visitation because now it's another issue. Well, the child's sick, child's this. Mm-hmm. Um, no allegations yet, but there is um, hints of, well, the children are afraid of you, kind of starting to implement that in the kids' minds that, mm-hmm. you know, mommy or daddy does this or did that, you know, um, letting the non-custodial parent, well, they came home from you and said, um, this happened, so they're a little afraid to go with you. You know, they go to court. They go back to court or mediation, um, kind of gets worked out. You may have a 50% um, success rate to where you get your visitation. Now, the very severe cases is where the nothing gets worked out. Um, allegations come to where it's either emotional or physical abuse, which is funny because the abuser um, in this is actually the... Um, targeting parent, the manipulator, because parental alienation is, if people want to believe it or not, it's emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're actually abusing the kids, but no one sees it as emotional abuse. They just see it as, okay, this person's made allegations. I've got the kids um, brainwashed, and that's what it is, brainwashing your kids against the other parent, Mm -hmm. stating, I go to mommy or daddy's, you know, this happens to me or whatever. And the sad thing about this is out of these cases, the very severe cases and the allegations, it could be, you know, minor from, you know, physical abuse to the worst case, you know, they're being um, accosted by the other parent. So now you have that allegation thrown in there. And when that allegation gets thrown in there, even the physical abuse, um, supposedly, I'm saying this is supposedly, Um, the non-custodial parents' rights now are removed. So you can't even get a um, a, uh, watched visitation with your kids. Mm -hmm. Supervised visitation because, oh, no, you're doing this to your kids. Your kids are, you know, your kids are too afraid. You know, why are you doing this to your kids? And so that comes into another play. Now the manipulator is, I got you where I want you. Now allegations are brought up. Now there's investigation into this. And on the very severe, which what I said earlier about the costing, believe it or not, there are 27% of all cases that are investigated about that. And this is what, 15 years ago when, you know, when I was doing this, I'm sure it's more now. And I've had law enforcement um, uh, prove, you know, prove this, say, yes, agree with me that about 27% of those, the very severe cases of the um, kids being accosted, are the people are actually innocent. Mm-hmm. So you know, 
they get a criminal record for something they didn't do. So now the manipulator is actually proven and done what they want to do is I'm going to destroy you. So now the um, detriment is done not only to the kids in that relationship that needs to be there. I don't care if you are um, the worst, you know, parents together, you know, fighting all the time. You got to put that aside. You got to think about your kids. I mean, that's bottom. You got to. So now that relationship is gone. So your kid will never see you again. You um, are fighting these other allegations. You could lose your jobs. You could, you know, I know someone who works for the state if had a allegation. And it's not even with this, but had an allegation of was an investigation of a, a car accident to where they supposedly ran the stop a stoplight and hit a car. So now they're being whatever they used it as the, the terminology, but that person was suspended because of the job they do. Mm. You know, and that's minor, that's minor traffic, believe it or not. So can you imagine someone who works any, you know, in certain positions where they're being accused of something, false allegations, their job finds out about it and they get suspended. They could lose their job, they could lose their careers, you know, and these manipulators don't care because now they got what they want. Mm -hmm. The kids don't have nothing to do with them. I'm satisfied that I ruined your life. You know, so that's the severe part of this. And we, we need to, we really do need to make sure people understand that it's not a, it's not fake. It's out there. So sorry, I didn't mean to go off. I probably no. on a tangent or something, but I. <laughs> no, that was perfect. No, that was, that's, you know what, that's exactly what happens to a lot of parents. Yes. As you get strapped with an uh, false accusation, you know, as far as, you know, either, you know, reckless driving or um, you're mentally ill or yep. they'll, they'll come up with anything to get that child away and they'll in, go as far as involving cps on false allegations false and yep. the thing is cps is chasing around all these false accusations like what most of them are like 78 percent or even 80 percent false accusations when they should be on mm -hmm. call with some child who's being physically abused and in yes. danger for their life. So their, their time is being wasted on a narcissistic parent that has to have the one up and destroy the other parent. Using yes. Yeah. Yep. And that's funny you should say that because there was a case here um, in the county that I'm at that friend, it's called Friend of the Court, was tied up with a couple high, very high profile, high conflict divorces. And I mean, when I say high conflict, there were actually a couple of the high priced lawyers and judges were getting divorced with them. And it made news because they were always allegations here and there. So they were more focused on this, um, on, you know, this case, these cases, there were like three of them, when there were people that were saying that they heard, and this is, here's the courthouse, right across the street was a house that people would say when they come out of their, you know, parking lot of the courtroom or parking along street, they would hear people's kids screaming. Friend of the court did nothing about it, nothing. And then um, someone knew that there, they, there was, this family used to have a child. And, you know, they would see it, then all of a sudden you didn't see it and didn't see it, didn't see it for five years. No one, and then they heard, started hearing these screams. Come to find out the child died and the parents had the child chained up in the basement. And this is right across the street from the courtroom. And, you know, the, the people would complain, child support would mean, excuse me, child protective services, friend of the court would go over there and a quote, would not see any evidence of anything. They would, they said, we don't see children. We don't have any evidence that there were children here. But there was the kids were in the this girl was locked in the basement for five years. She died. Malnutrition. It's like now that's an actual case that they didn't put any, you know, worth into it. They're putting worth into you know false allegation cases where the money is at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, it happens all the time. And I feel sorry. And, you know, and I apologize for the system for anybody who's had to go through that. It should not happen. And what parents don't realize is when they are slapped with an indication, they have to fight that. They have to clear their names. I, a lot of parents mm -hmm. don't know this, but you have got to go through a CPS adjudication and um, unfortunately pay your lawyer $1,200 for that day to uh, get <laughs> yeah. your name cleared. Because if your name isn't cleared, you are in a database with child molesters, child you know, physical abusers. You mm -hmm. are you know, lumped, in, lumped in with all of those. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, so it's, it's best that people understand, you know, what can actually happen to not only the kids, but to the, you know, the non-custodial parent in parental alienation cases. It's not just the children that are suffering, you know, one, because of the, the emotional abuse, but what happens later in life with them, but the loss of a relationship that needs to be, you know, saved. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sad. Mm -hmm. It really is. And when these kids grow up, okay, so they, they've been alienated and told lies mm -hmm. about the other target parent. And, yep. you know, I'm sure they are experiencing, I would think, alcoholism, promiscuity. Um, yes. Other, you know, other, yes. If they, go, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm say yes. You're right, and I apologize for cutting you off. But you're right. You know, these children because they have witnessed, you know, going through this, and it also depends on the ages of when they actually started seeing this. If they were younger, say two to six or whatever, two to seven, they are easily manipulated. So, and the ones that are with the custodial parent more and more okay so they see this they're getting brainwashed more and more they are learning a non-healthy way of dealing with a tragedy which is divorce is a tragedy so they think okay yeah this is how we do it we argue we fight you know we change um you know people from you know one to another if they're <clears throat> a little bit older say eight to 12, give or take, if they're in the middle child, then they, it'll take them a little bit longer to have this ingrained because they, they will follow the older children, but it'll happen. Um, and then the older children do their best not to have this manipulation take hold, but at some point it will, because it's easier to give in to the narcissistic personality mm -hmm. instead fighting it now these are kids so once they get older they see that oh i can throw you know i don't need this person basically in a sense throw them away you know be with somebody one two years get rid of them um same thing with careers jobs it is they have not health they have not learned a healthy way of dealing with this so they jump from person to person job to job um they turn to um they could turn to drug abuse. They could turn to um, <clears throat> promiscuity very you know, because of what they see. They turn to um, <clears throat> self-hurting. Um, Basically, they turn, I know someone that a, um, she's 35 and she still is a self-abuser. She cuts to make her feel better, herself feel better because of what she went through as a kid. Her mother put her through and I say her mother because she was the you know the caregiver, and I'm not. But her mother put her through so much um, pain when she would go see her father that she didn't get the ability to deal with the pain in a proper way when she's kids. So she started cutting herself, and she does it to this day. Now she's like 35, 36. You know, so you have these self destructive behaviors. So you can actually tie this into um, the DSM-5, you know, abnormal um, personality disorders because of what happened to kids, you know, if they went through a high conflict divorce and through parental alienation. There are some, some things you can tie back to that happening now. 
you know, so people do need to become more aware, not just for that, but I mean, this expands into so much more than what people think. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It's, you know, these self-destructive and self-abusive um, behaviors that kids have should never happen when they get older. They right. should live happy lives. And the thing is they can't live happy lives because they can't think for themselves. Right. Yep. At all ever. You're right. That's why they jump and they look for, they look for more male or females. They look for very dominating narcissistic partners Mm -hmm. and you know, they'll jump, they'll find one. And then after a little bit, they jump to another because it's not fulfilling what they need. So they find somebody else. And it's a cycle that needs to be broke. Definitely. Yeah. And they've got to have the strength to break it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I hope a lot of these young people get uh, help and talk to a good psychologist that can help them through this. So we don't have repeat generations. Um, Dr. Mark Roseman wrote a book called Preserving Family Ties. And in it, he states yep. that it's going to cause generational problems for the next six generations. So this is why we have all these divorces. Yes. I guess my recommendation is to maybe not get married. <laughs> I mean, because because if we have all these personality disorders caused by these uh, traumatic divorces, right. that well, yeah. need to happen. Well, that could come to this too. Even if you don't get divorced, let's say you've lived with somebody and you've got kids, you know, for 15, 20 years. And finally, you know, you both have had enough or one of the partners have had enough and they want out. It's not a divorce, but it's still, they have a custody issue that they have to deal with. So if one person is angered because now, you know, after 15, 20 years, you're done with me. So they get angered. And, you know, we have kids, so I get the kids this time and this time when whoever it is, is, you know, angry about it, they um, start implanting little subliminal messages in these kids. Oh, you know, I know your, your, your mommy's done this or your daddy's done this. And it's not just the sad thing is, I mean, it could be married couples, you know, couples living together. It's not just a. man woman relationship um alternative lifestyle relationships can have the same issues because it's it's a family you know it's a family unit you have whether it's mommy and mommy daddy daddy mom and dad whatever you have two loving parents for kids and then that relationship is no longer so these kids are now put in between either parent you know so it's Saying never getting married. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I wish that would be, you know, that would be it. But it's it's any healthy relationship that has kids that is now broken, mm-hmm. not healthy. That is, you know, um, in turmoil fighting. Even foster care families can go through. I mean, kids from foster care can do this if they're in a good foster care home. Say they've been there for two, three years. And their foster families, their mom and dads are, you know, get along great. And all of a sudden now they're no longer. And there's this, these kids can still be subjected to, you know, this estrangement, this manipulation by one or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So honestly, the only, and I heard this growing up and I never really understood what people meant, but the only real solution is education is getting the word out there, getting people to believe that this does happen. And it's a, you know, like I said earlier, a, you know, black and white situation. I don't mean, you know, I mean, you know, it's not, it's this or that. Mm -hmm. It happens everywhere and people need to be aware of it. We need to get the word out there. People need to understand. People need to be more open to accept it. Definitely. Um, is there any words you'd like to add before we part? Um, you know, just that, like I said, it is a um, huge, huge issue. People need to, if you think you're going, if it's happening, you need to find someone that understands it. 
Um, if it's the father that's happening to, there are father's groups out there. If it is the mother that it's happening to, there are mother groups out there that can support you. You need to find a supporting um, group that will help you guide the waters of this. You know, I, I'm out there. I mean, if people would like to talk to me, I'm more than welcome to, the, you know, to that. Um, but it is a detrimental aspect of children's lives that will affect them for the rest of their lives, not only them, the parents. Whether the manipulating narcissistic parent thinks, oh, it's not going to affect me, it will. Because at some point in their life, these children are going to turn the table and they're going to learn what they're going to use, what they learn from that narcissistic parent on them. And then they're going to realize, wow, I guess I really did, whether it's with grandkids or whatever, but it will happen. So, you know, I hope that people will start understanding and learning about this and becoming aware and armed with the right tools to help them. So, right. And also, they also have to understand is when they meet a counselor, if they don't click, find another counselor. It's not yes. the, end of the world if one didn't work. There's plenty of them out there. Yep. The first See? question to ask is, you know, are you, are you aware of parental alienation? If they're not, then move on. Same thing with attorneys, too. I mean, you right. want an attorney that, you know, a lawyer that understands what it is, um, that it, you know, that it happens and that it's not just a fallacy or a, you know, a, a big game, that it's real and these kids are you know, these kids are the ones that are in danger. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I'd like to have you be a return guest. <laughs> I would love that. Thank you. Yeah. And so we already have your phone number in case anyone <laughs> needs to reach you. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again with um, Dr. Pat in the future and other guests. So I totally thank you again, Dr. Pat. Thank you, Marianne. I appreciate it. And I really enjoyed this. I look forward to being on it again. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you.